I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. The right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just receive it. The right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just receive it. I'm going to borrow that from Haley Wilkerson as she taught a group of junior high girls. Now, I'm not saying that you're a junior high girl here tonight, although there may be some, and if you are, I see you. That's great. Thanks for being here. (laughs) But I think all of us need help in understanding and experiencing forgiveness and especially offering it to others. So we're in a series called Seven Sayings of Jesus from the Cross, the last words uttered by Jesus as he's being crucified. We're in the church calendar season called Lent. We had Ash Wednesday. It's 40 days of fasting, praying, and preparation for Easter Sunday. A lot of times during the season of Lent, people will give up certain things in order to focus their time and attention on God and make space for them. A lot of people will discover as they give up these things, the last thing they want to do is spend time with God. That's okay. That's the beginning phase of Lent. Get used to it. Um, and our family, my kids hate me and will probably hate the church calendar when they grow up, but we've given up all um, digital entertainment. So no streaming, no Netflix, no Hulu, no Disney Plus. <laughs> Legalist. <laughs> and for about the first three or four days, they go through withdrawal. And they are angry. And I'm going, why, Lord, we shouldn't have done this. It's just easier to parent with entertainment. Can I get an amen? Good, we got a couple parents. Um, Got some kids. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, mom and dad, don't do that junk. Uh, But it was crazy. About three or four days after it, they remembered how to play. They remembered to go outside. They remembered to grab board games. They remembered to start singing. They remembered how to include one another in on it. And one of the things that we want to do during Lent is make sure we remember how to be a family, and you're not going to be a family unless you learn to forgive. The more you want to love and lead in the kingdom of God, the more forgiveness you're going to need, both offered to you and offered through you. That's not something you get in a masses of skills and competencies, and all of a sudden you don't need it anymore. You will constantly need people to forgive you and for you to forgive them. So uh, last week, I was so grateful. Thank you for your forgiveness and letting me be out. I was in a preaching school in Atlanta. I got to be both student and teacher. I was coach and someone who participated. It was awesome. So thank you. Heard John Thomas did a great job. Heard we had an awesome uh, service describing healing, then offering it to everyone. It's just not fair what someone with a South African accent can get away with in here. So... I'm happy for him, but I'm secretly jealous. But I know I love one of the things that he said. Oftentimes, healing is miraculous and instantaneous. And oftentimes, the miraculous is gradual. And I believe this is a follow-up to what John brought last week. Because as a pastor, I cannot substantiate this other than it's my own observation. I believe the biggest hindrance for children of God Living a life in wholeness and healing is unforgiveness. I believe it poisons the waters of every relationship and endeavor we try to embark on. 
that there is something deep within us that hinders the love and the power and the authority of God when we choose to not forgive. Because after all, the right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just receive it. You want to say it with me? The right response to forgiveness is It's easy to say. It's hard to do. My wife got back also this week. Um, she was out for a little bit at a woman's conference, and uh, she came back, and she's like, Chris, it was amazing. Uh, there was this amazing female speaker there, and she said this, you can bury your pain, but just know that you're burying it alive. And I'm like, why are the women's conference getting all the good speakers? <laughs> so sexist. I said, that's good. That's real good. You can bury your pain, but you'll bury it alive. And it'll find its way out eventually. It's going to be an unhealthy attachment. It's going to sabotage every relationship, every power structure, every employment opportunity. You're going to get triggered and reflexively respond in order to protect, which usually means violence or silence. Both of them are ways of hiding. And we know from the garden, hiding hinders the healing work of God. The right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just to receive it. The right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just receive it. Isn't that the biggest problem with Christianity today? We're a bunch of consumers and no disciples to be found. What can God do for me lately? I like all the promises, but I know none of the rights and responsibilities. I like Christianity, but I don't want to pick up my cross and follow him daily. And the problem is many of us have buried our pain alive. And it's coming out in unintended ways. And here's the deal. Here's what I know. I'm going to elaborate on the text a little bit, but those of you with unforgiveness in your heart know right now that the Holy Spirit's bringing it up. So if you don't want to deal with it, you might want to walk out. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to bubble up in us names, people, places, and things that need forgiveness. And this is a story that Jesus tells while he's alive, which, by the way, put this in context. Jesus the, one of the sayings from the cross that's going to couch our discussion tonight is while he's being crucified, tortured, mocked, misunderstood, and misrepresented, he locks eyes with the very people doing it and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I am so far away from being Christ-like in that area. My response is more like, Father, wipe them off the face of the planet. It hurt. Ouch. <laughs> Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgiveness is the hallmark of the Christian faith. Forgiveness is costly. But I'll tell you this. Unforgiveness will cost you much, much, much more. So we want to be the kind of people who are able, when that stuff comes up, to go, okay, Lord, I may not have the tools, uh, I may not be ready for this, but if you're bringing it up, help me find the people and the places and the opportunities to start to process some of this pain and this unforgiveness because it is wreck shopping me. So Jesus tells this story, and it's this 
remarkable story. I love the parables. I fell in love with Jesus all over again through his short stories. What I did is I just needed him to tell me a story. And Peter's asking, how many times should we forgive? Seven? <laughs> Teacher's pet, gold star, all right, praise me. He's like, no, 70 times seven. And he tells a story of a king who brought one of his servants. And any time uh, Jesus uses the word servant in his parable, he, what he means is a manager, someone who's been entrusted with power and responsibility on behalf of the king. And he brings a servant and says, hey, pay me what you owe me. And what does he say? Be patient, please, I will pay you back. And then all of a sudden, the king, overcome with mercy, says, I canceled all your debts. I forgive you. Be free. You're good to go. Servant exits out. He's singing celebrate by cooling the gang. He's pumped. He's like, break every chain. Break every chain. You know, dancing past the guys in jail like, sorry about your luck. He's doing the Dave Ramsey debt-free shout. Ah! Right? Until all of a sudden... He sees some dude who owes him 10 bucks. Now, granted, he just got forgiven 100 grand and sees some dude who owes him 10 bucks, grabs him by the choke. <laughs> grabs him by the choke. Take your time, Chris. <laughs> I was getting excited. Grabs him by the throat. <laughs> the right response when your preacher messes up is forgiveness. He grabs him by the throat, starts choking him, and says, pay me back now. And that servant uses the exact words that just came out of his mouth. Be patient. I will pay you back. And instead, he throws him in jail until he can pay it back. Isn't that our story? Haven't we been forgiven so much? And yet, when we see other people, we immediately treat to violence or silence and we demand that they pay us back. The little offenses all the way and the big offenses. So as I'm going through this text and praying through it and just picturing you guys as a teacher, there's just three things I just, I think I need to say pastorally as we try to move into a place where we're ready to repeat forgiveness, not just receive it. Because the vision I have at the end of the tonight is that some of you may come forward and pray and some of you may walk right out of this room and text someone and initiate reconciliation. Yeah, there it is. There's some daughters in this room who need to text their mothers. There's some sons in here who need to text their fathers. Some of you have been wronged in unthinkable and unspeakable ways. And some of you have wronged others. But here's what I want to say. Before we get there, forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says to especially battered spouses who have been abused verbally and physically, that their spouse shows up on the doorstep, knocks on it and says, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, will you have me back? And you may say as a spouse, biblically, I forgive you, but then you say, I do not trust you, you may not come in. Trust is earned. Forgiveness for us in the family of God is supposed to be our default response. But that doesn't mean we trust somebody right away because some of you are already thinking about this relationship that you had where someone was kind of abusive 
or really abusive, and somewhere in your story, you believe that that is the only type of love you deserve, and you're ready to reconcile with them and put up with that behavior again. Do not do it. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are loved better than that, and you deserve better than that. Forgiveness does not always necessarily mean trust. In fact, the Bible's given us a better option when someone is not repented. It's called enemy love. Because context is everything. Did you catch the context of this? Uh, some things we gotta be careful as preachers is we just get into a story and we get really, really excited about what we wanna say and we go, yeah, I think the text says that, but we forget to put it in context. Jesus is talking about the family of God. It's one of the few places he uses the word church beforehand. And he's talking about church discipline. He's talking about brothers and sisters a familial covenantal relationship. If your brother is sinning, go to him, pull him aside. See if you can win him back, great. If not, take two or three with you. If not, bring it before the church. If not, excommunicate them. Treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. Let them step outside of the family so that God will bring them to repentance. That's the context. So Peter's trying to get his brain around this. Oh my gosh, if we're actually gonna do this thing called church, and we're actually going to speak truth in love and call people out on their sin, not just passively sit by and go, anything goes and call it grace, we're gonna have to forgive a lot. It's like, Jesus, all right, how many times do I need to forgive my brother or sister? Seven times, devil guns, right? Yeah, that sounded like going above and beyond. And Jesus just doubles down, 70 times seven. Do you have any idea how much you've been forgiven and maybe the reason you're not experiencing the power and the intimacy and the joy is because you've taken forgiveness just to receive it and decided not to repeat it because we know now that the right response to forgiveness is to repeat it not just receive it Second thing I would say to you is, I know a lot of you in here uh, as Christians know that God has forgiven you, but have you forgiven yourself? Sometimes that's the toughest person to forgive. Shame is your second language. Guilt's the first one. And you don't know how to relate to God other than, oh my gosh, I messed up, I'm worthless, I'm so ugly, I can't believe I did this again. And God has forgiven you. The cross has spoken a better word over you. What you're basically saying when you cannot forgive yourself is that the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was insufficient for your sins. Jesus doesn't have to get back up on the cross for you. He's done that already. And are justified freely through the grace that Jesus brought, which is the redemption of our sins. I know you know God's forgiven you. Have you forgiven yourself? That may take some time and that may take some healing. But until you can see yourself the way God sees you through Christ Jesus, you are gonna have a difficult time. As uh, I think it was Paul Tillich that said, until then you're just licking the pictures in the cookbook while everyone else is feasting on a meal in front of you. And you're saying, yeah, it tastes great. Isn't God good? God's forgiven you. Have you forgiven yourself? Um, one of the things that I, this could, I could be totally wrong, but I love to play in the parables and try to figure out motivations. Maybe one of the reasons the servant who was just forgiven a hundred grand 
walks out after having his debts canceled and chokes the first person he sees who owes him 10 bucks is because he can't forgive himself and he wants to pay the master back. That forgiveness was too much for me to handle. I will pay it back and I'm gonna get it by the first person I see. So many of you are living in fear and condemnation because you're trying to pay back a debt that's already been canceled. Third thing, and this is something I'm working through. Maybe we wouldn't have to practice forgiveness so much if we weren't so easily offended. This one's for me. I think part of the way the Lord's wired me, it's a gift that I'm sensitive and I can pick up on things, but I'm easily offended sometimes. And I know some of you are too. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being a bitter and brittle Christian who's broken into a thousand pieces of resentment at the slightest comment. You know what that's really about? I've got internal work to do. And anytime you say anything, I'm filling in my insecurities, my false narratives, and my fear, and my approval issues. And you were never intended to bear that burden. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love is not easily stirred to anger. Do you find yourself getting angry a lot at people? Maybe that's because the right response to forgiveness is not simply to receive it, it's to repeat it. All right, I'm gonna totally steal an illustration that I heard this past week at preaching school, okay? So I go to my buddy's church, colleague of mine, his name's Rich, he's at Peachtree Presbyterian in Atlanta, Georgia. It's after we go there, then we go down to Martin Luther King Jr.'s church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, sit in that church that maybe holds 200 and realize that God launches movements through the church and he still wants to do it. So we're all fired up and like, yeah, let's change the world. And then we sit down and we talk with Rich and we're talking about sermon making and pastoring. And he comes strutting in and he's well put together, got a nice crisp Oxford that someone ironed real nice and neatly for him and I'm in wrinkled jeans. And he's got a dog on his leash. And uh, he comes up and he drops the leash and he throws down the bed and he's, I even forget the dog's name. He's like, go get in your place. And that dog obediently goes and sits where it's supposed to sit. And he goes, we just got a dog for Christmas. I'm thinking, we did too. It's a Kingston Cavalier or whatever. I'm like, ours is a half Kingston Cavalier. So he says, and we're the kind of people who hired an obedience coach for our dog. We're not, okay? (laughs) My dog's still pooping in the house. (laughs) I've got envy and comparison issues and I'm trying to keep them at check and not be easily offended because I got to preach this message. And he says this, we brought the trainer in and he was rich was really proud he said watch this breaks out his bag of treats tells the dog to sit dog sits gives it a treat right tells the dog lay down lay down gives it a treat right says stay there good job gives it a treat right bang roll over give it a treat and he looks at the trainer and goes pretty good huh and the trainer does not crack a smile and says uh your dog can do tricks but has not been trained in obedience Your dog does tricks so that it can get a treat. It's never been trained to hear the voice of its master and obey just because of your relationship with it. And I'm concerned 
that a lot of us as Christians, we can do a lot of tricks for treats from Jesus. We can show up to events. We can raise money. We can even memorize some scripture. We can even spend some time on mission. But all we're really doing is tricks so that God gives us treats. But how many of us have been trained in obedience and connection with the Father so the second we hear his voice, we respond, especially when it comes to forgiveness. Now, here's what I know. You're not dogs, okay? Don't abuse the parable here. You're not dogs. You're made in the image of God. And part of being made in the image of God is you receive his forgiveness and you offer it to others. And understand that God's grace will meet you when you do. Because the right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just receive it. Amen? Let's take 120 seconds and see what the Lord would speak to us so that we can respond in obedience. I'm just going to give your soul some space. See what comes up. Is there a person you need to forgive? Is there a person who right now the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind and you need to forgive? And you need to initiate that. Is there someone in your life who forgiveness is off the table, but you need to consider practicing enemy love towards someone who has wronged you? To pray for those who persecute you. And is there someone in here tonight who can't do any of those things because you have not first received the forgiveness of God? So you're not going to be able to repeat it. Wherever you are, beg the king for his mercy. Know that he handed his son over to be tortured and killed on your behalf so that your debt could be canceled. And know when you walk down the street and see the person who has offended you and who owes you, that the right response to forgiveness is to repeat it, not just receive it. Let's listen together.